The Free For All Roundtable. Round two. On round two this morning, Deepika Demerla is here, Mississauga City Councilor, Michelle Morrow, People's Voice Award winner and a music teacher, Bob Richardson, is Senior Counsel at National Public Relations. All right. Let's start with bad dogs, just to mix it up a little. Michelle Morrow, the city looking at having a listing of bad dogs, and not only that, there'd be rules applied to people with dogs that have mauled people, and you'd have to have a sign in front of your house that says, here lives a bad dog. What do you say? Oh, I'm totally on board as a, as a dog owner. Um, unfortunately, Mr. Finn died uh, two years ago, but um, you you have to realize that your dog, as much as you love your dog, and as much as people are like, oh, my dog would never bite people. <laughs> Your dog's a living being, and it can do things when it's scared. Um, our, we, our kids used to lay on Mr. Finn like they would literally lay on top of him to watch TV. But there was one time we were near the water, and someone took off running, and I guess it scared him. And he sna- he snatched at them, and luckily did not bite them. But it made me much more aware of of the da- of the potential danger. And I I think it's a great idea because the last thing you want to be is walking by a house and there's a dog in the yard and it lunges for you and breaks the leash or whatever. Bob Richardson, my dog would have to really work pretty hard to do damage. He only weighs about 14 pounds, but still, I get it. Dogs can be trouble. Dogs can be trouble. There's no question about it. I'm a, a former dog owner, and uh, I've seen the seen the fights break out. But my problem with this is uh, I, I'm taking a little bit of a different angle here. This is going to the Economic Development Committee of the city. Not talking about job creation, not talking about attracting business, not talking about uh, small business, which has been under siege for the last three years, but instead developing a bad dog list. I think they need to get their priorities right. Uh, Economic development should be a a focus of the city, not this nonsense. Although, Dipika, as a city councillor, I'm sure you know, you can get a lot of heat out of something as popular as a bad dog list or saving tobogganing. Yeah, and these are, you know, popular issues. People can wrap their head around issues like this because they're real to them. And so it is true that, uh, uh, you know, counselors or politicians uh, try to craft positions around it. I mean, I'm okay with it, but I just don't know, like, how much work would it take to post these signs? Like, are they going to be posted in front of every dangerous dog sign and then you know it's easy to put them up but then i guess you have to take them down if the dog doesn't live there anymore so it's an interesting idea i'd need to understand more um the idea you know as an idea might be sound but how practical is it to implement it yeah it does seem somewhat labor intensive because i guess then somebody would have to verify that you had the sign in front of your house and of course we imagine that everybody lives in a house i guess sometimes you just have to put it on the door of your condo um a girl because she's 14, so she's still a girl, I think, uh, accused in the swarming murder in December 2022, was busted for allegedly stabbing a guy on the weekend. Bob Richardson, this is one of those times where Jerry's going to come barreling in at 10.05, and he's going to be absolutely right. Yeah, I'm afraid Jerry is uh, absolutely right on this one. I mean, I I hate to say it, particularly at that age, it, it it bothers me about lock her up. Uh, I mean, she she shouldn't probably have gotten a, a second uh, uh, swing at the bat here, and she did. And she didn't follow the rules. She should be back in jail. But I've also got to ask whether we were properly enforcing the bail rules and we're on top of it. I, I think 
that isn't well funded. And I think uh, as a result of that, uh, 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 quite often uh, things of this nature happen. But there's no question uh, this is a clear cut case. If uh, given given her track record, if uh, if if she's done what she said she was uh, uh, was supposed to have done, uh, I would say uh, lock her up and uh, and uh, no questions asked here. Yeah, Deepika, the reason judges tend to be lenient in a situation like this is she was 13 years old at the time of the first crime. There is a presumption of innocence. And also, if you send a kid to a jail facility to await their trial two years later, then it's pretty well a school for crime. But at the same time, it doesn't seem like she, it seems like she's been doing extracurricular. She doesn't need a school. Yeah, you know, I, I can certainly see why, you know, typically we all know that if it's murder, you don't get bail easily. But as you mentioned, probably because of her young age and probably also because she's female, uh, possibly she, those were some considerations. Big question is, uh, what were the bail conditions, as Bob mentioned? And the bigger question is what happens now. She's still quite young, uh, but I think uh, she has shown no remorse, no learning, and no regret. So I think, uh, unfortunately, I don't think I would be supportive or the public would be supportive of a bail this time around. Michelle Morrow, what do you say? I think there's two things that question here is one, do we allow bail when there's a murder charge on any circumstance? And then two, is the you had the the cloistering of the Youth Justice Act and the protection of the of the of the um, oh my gosh the indicted person um, because one of the points that was made is that the gentleman who was stabbed the second time uh, had there was no way he could have known that the person he was dealing with was out on a on a murder charge because there was there's no information given out so I think we need to separate the two things do we can let's decide if anyone who's charged with uh, murder should be given bail or under very strict circumstances and laid out exactly what these conditions are because I don't know what the bail conditions are for someone who is on for murder I think it would be interesting to to know that and then secondly how at what point does someone overstep the control or the protection of the youth justice is there anything a youth can do that is so egregious that they cannot, they have to be, their name and their picture has to be released. Hmm. There's growing concern about uh, food delivery bikes and bikes of all kinds on uh, GO trains and also on the subway system in Toronto. Michelle, I'll come back to you on this one. Uh, the concern is twofold. One is there's bikes all over the place and if you had to evacuate, you might trip over one. The other concern is sometimes people buy cheap replacement batteries and they burst into flames. Oh yeah, seeing the pictures of um of the TTC of the subway that had caught on fire that was really really scary and then then comparing it with the picture of the of the go train uh car which is full of bikes and people like having to sit by them I guess to stay close to their bikes so they don't have anywhere else to go and that could escalate really really quickly. Um I understand the initial thing is to be like no bikes allowed but unfortunately people do need to get their bikes into the city uh, e-bikes are such a bigger difference but some of the suggestions people are making is like well had they have there has to be a bike car on every go train have you seen how long the go trains are already yeah. i don't know if that's necessarily a good solution but i do think that we need some way to get them into the city but personally i'm like i don't know what that is because if one e-bike goes and that car is so full everyone's gone everyone's gone and perhaps everyone on the train with how quickly it would spread yeah Deepika, i guess we established that you were allowed to bring a bar a bike onto a go train because there were going to be a few people like me i would get on the go train in midday and i'd take it with my bike and then go for a nice bike ride in mississauga or something like that i don't know that anybody anticipated the popularity of food delivery on two wheels such that the trains are bulging with them now 
Well, I, I view it as a good news, bad news story. The good news really is that so many more people are going multimodal. I mean, it's fantastic. You're taking the subway and you come to ride recreationally in Mississauga or you're going to be a delivery person in Toronto. The bad news is that uh, both Go and Subway haven't figured out how to accommodate them. I agree that trying to stuff bikes next to regular commuters just takes up so much space that uh, uh, there isn't enough space for people to to be on the subway. So we need to figure out, I think, bike racks, right? I mean, what's wrong with bike racks? We do them with buses. I wonder if we could have bike racks on the sides. Well, I'm not an expert. Maybe there's issues, but we need, it's, it's a good news story. What we need to do is catch up and figure out how we can accommodate these bikes. Yeah, and Bob Richardson, I've certainly more frequently have been tripping over bikes on the subway. Yeah, uh, look, I, I think there's an important thing here, too. Let's not let the corporations off the hook here. Um, Uber Eats should be part of the solution um, because, uh, because obviously uh, they're part of the problem. And uh, they should do some thinking on this issue, too, as well. I'm, I'm, I'm like Dipika, I'm not an expert on this. Racks seem to me to make some sense if, if it's possible. Uh, that, that should be something that we should uh, uh, pursue. But the food delivery companies are a huge beneficiary of this. Uh, they should they should be part of the equation here too in figuring out how we solve this problem. There you go. Um, new research suggests, and we'll talk to the author of this study at nine oh five. Safe injection sites are saving lives, and Michelle Morrow, I'll start with you on this one. Uh, that may be the case, and of course we want to save lives, but it doesn't make life any easier, especially for example in Lee Side, where residents are fed up with the safe injection site. Yeah, I think this is a it's a it's a real live wire issue because the effort that we go to help save lives with that these sites can do and even the the side benefit of educating them on or counseling them on how to get out of their addiction or supporting them as they get out of their addiction i think that's a huge step forward um, we can't ignore that addiction is a massive part of our society and we need to help people as much as they can but at what cost never a big fan of NIMBY people, mm -hmm. but at this point I'm like, I can understand why the fear of a, of a safe injection site can override everything. And I, but I don't know how else to, I don't know how to fix it. I feel really silly being like, this shouldn't happen, but like, I have no solution because you want to bring more police on, but then that might scare people away. And then it defeats the whole purpose of the site. And Bob Richardson, I'm eager to talk with this uh, study author, because I want to know more about methodology, because people seem to be able to marshal studies at any given time for whatever position they've already taken. Yeah, I am. Uh, mark me down as highly skeptical on this issue. And, you know, uh, quite often these ivory tower studies get done in isolation of what really is going on in a community. I'll tell you one person who is uh, not safe for today. It's the mother and the wife who was killed in Leslieville as a result, uh, as a result of the safe uh, uh, injection site down there. Um, the city has to honor its agreement to neighborhoods. Uh, that's a huge part of the problem here. Neighborhoods have become unsafe. Neighborhoods have become unclean. Uh, it's attracted drug dealers. It's, it's attracted all sorts of bad elements. And quite frankly, there's questionable people working at some of these sites too as well. Those are the questions that need to be answered. Those are the things that need to be taken care of before an, another single site anywhere gets put in in, in place in this city. Yeah, Deepika, Bob Richardson identifies an interesting trait amongst people on both sides of this, of this debate, and it's that they tend to be monomaniacs. You know, it's like there's nothing wrong with the system or the system is completely bad and uh, there doesn't seem to be any middle ground. 
And yes, and in fact, the middle ground is where you kind of want to land because no one's, I mean, the issue really isn't whether the safe injection sites save lives. There's multiple studies that show that. The real issue is what is the cost to the rest of the neighborhood and what's being done to address that. And I think what's really frustrating for someone like me who tries to have a dialogue is often public health officials, and maybe it's changing a bit now, have outright denied that there's going to be any collateral damage to the neighborhood. Just said, oh, no, it's nothing happens. It's very safe. There isn't, an, you know, I, I would say, well, if you have the site, does it mean that, uh, you know, people with uh, drug addiction problems from other areas are going to now converge into this one neighborhood? Absolutely not. Never happens. And it just sort of flies in the face of common sense. So I think we need buy-in from the community, and communities are quite rightly concerned, especially when, the concerns they raise are completely dismissed. When you're just sort of made to feel like you are this selfish person who doesn't care about saving lives, because that's not what it what it is. It is, I do want to save lives, but I also want to find a way to save my neighborhood and make it a place where I can continue to live and raise a family safely. So to have that middle ground that you spoke about is really important. And I, if, if you don't mind, please ask the question of the author, did they also study impacts on neighborhoods because i quickly went through the study and i didn't see anything in the summary so it's like this uni track it saves lives um, but what about neighborhoods and how can we locate them in places which may be less than ideal for the people who need the services but maybe that helps save the neighborhood so you get a little bit of both Thank you, all three. It was a great talk, and I appreciate your being here on a family day. Dipika Damarila, Michelle Morrow, and Bob Richardson. Catch the roundtable, round one at 745, round two at 845. Weekday mornings on More in the Morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.